Sometimes I try to imagine what this show would be like if it got one of them fancy modern reimaginings. I don't mean the various Transformers cartoons or that abomination of a live-action movie. I mean something that took the basic ideas of this series and put them into a well-written, well-thought-out context. And in that imagined show, this opening scene of foolish Earth humans holding a Decepticon Day parade and welcoming their new mechanical overlords would be legitimately chilling. And that's how ten-year-old me remembers this bit. But I'm not here to review what could or should be. I'm here to review what was. Why waste time? Let's take the city now! I have my reasons! And those reasons are, I love marching in parades! Who doesn't? Bumbling oafs, that's who, Starscream. Bumbling oafs. I really do like how this episode opens, though, even now. This nightmare world of fancy parades where the Decepticons are celebrities that hang out in elite clubs, it's kind of cool. And once again, my theories on Laserbeak are vindicated, because, I mean, look at him. The Decepticons are trying to pretend to be friendly right now, and he still looks like he wants to bite that guy's head off. Do not fuck with this guy. Seriously. Meanwhile, out in space, which you'll remember from way back in episode one is blue, the Autobots figure out that their ship is targeted for the sun. Not by looking out the window and seeing that the sun is practically within reach, but by Hound shooting out some kind of special ray. Hey, at least it's not a hologram, I guess. Cosmos, the little flying saucer guy with the Hispanic accent, hmm, well, whatever, isn't much help either. Except that Megatron didn't change his course, so there's no need for him to be flying into the sun, right? Right? Meanwhile, the Decepticons, with free reign over the city, have now returned to their undersea base for the first time in months. I give up trying to understand you people. There they have a clandestine meeting with Sean Berger, the corrupt politician who helped sell the Autobots out. How do we know he's corrupt? Well, look at him, he's fat! Berger demands the 30 pieces of silver he was promised, and shocking plot twist, Megatron betrays him. No way. Megatron watches the Autobot ship vaporize as it makes contact with the sun. And there's absolutely no way it's some kind of trick. They're really dead and the bad guys win. End of series. Wait, no. Hound had a line of dialogue a minute ago, so he must be cheating and doing a stupid hologram again. I swear, I could actually do the next episode blindfolded. Honestly. Meanwhile, Spike shows the tape that he found, during the Autobots' trial, before they left, to the mayor. Hey, what's that old Earth expression? Better late than... something? Never mind, it doesn't matter. The mayor believes him and calls the footage conclusive, because apparently all you needed in 1985 to prove anything was a videotape. Man, those were simpler times. Megatron throws the coolest press conference ever. Mr. Uh, Megatron, now that the Autobots are gone, what are your plans here on Earth? I'm glad you asked, Earth Germ. What? My plan is to conquer this mudball of a planet and suck it dry of energy. And then his guys go on a random tear of destruction, which is quite cool. We finally moved past the whole bleed this planet's energy dry business, and now we're just breaking stuff because we can. I approve. Wait, no. The humans are enslaved, making Energon cubes. Which is also kind of cool, I suppose. Except that somehow Chip is a slave too. Which... Well, hey, I try to be politically correct when I can, but let's be honest here. Truly evil robots would thin the herd of the likes of Chip. But then, how else could he escape and save the day? Yeah, I don't get why they didn't execute Spike, Sparkplug, Chip, Carly, and any other human friends the Autobots have right on the spot. I would have. I mean, I was actually with you on the parade thing, but here you lost me. So, Chip makes his elaborate escape, conveniently finding accessible ramps everywhere he needs to go. He eventually makes his way back to Teletran 1, which is also not destroyed for some reason, and finds out what happened. Oh, it turns out I was wrong about the way they survived, actually. It was Trailbreaker's force field, not Hound's holograms. So they only used the second most overused cop-out instead of the first. Or maybe the third. Yeah, where the hell are the Dinobots in all this, anyway? 
Chip gets caught and thrust, <laughs> thrust, shoots a big hole in Teletran, which naturally saves the Autobots in the process. Well, hey, we only have about four minutes left. That's as good as anything else, I suppose. Earth Jets try to lead an assault on the Decepticons, a solid ten years before the movie Independence Day, I might add, but they're dealt with handily by Starscream and the other Jets. By which I mean, they all parachute out safely while the actual planes are destroyed. Yo, Joe! So the Autobots show up and save the day, blah, 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 blah. Well, I guess they had to. You can't really have a show where the bad guys are allowed to win for good. Well, except in my imagination. And now it's time for this week's spelling lesson. Cosmos. C-O-S-M-S. -S. Hey, are you going to argue with Teletran 1? Oh, before I forget, in a couple of weeks I hit the midpoint of the series. At that point, I think I'm going to do a Frequently Asked Questions um, installment. So if you have any particular questions you would like me to address uh, about me, about these reviews, about the series, um, let me know. Give them to me. Uh, shoot me an email via the website that uh, appears at the end here, or give me a YouTube comment. Uh, it's not hard to figure out how to reach me, so ask me your questions and I shall answer them. Hmm.